Good morning, it's 970 WAMD Aberdeen and this is the Harford Edge, keeping you on the cutting edge of what's new in Harford County and beyond. I'm co-host Leslie Greenlee-Smith from the Harford County Public Library and that is Bob Mumby. The Harford Edge is brought to you each week by your Harford County Public Library. Today we'll be speaking with Louisa Chiazzo, CEO of SARC and Kelsey Luchet, SARC's Volunteer and Events Coordinator. Good morning, Mr. Bob Mumby. Good morning, and good morning, uh, uh, ladies, as well. Good morning. You're a lady also, Leslie. Thank you. I didn't want to make, <laughs> like, want to make that as a uh, Thank you distinction. for including me in that. Um, and I know you're all waiting what's annoying me today, if I can be very self-absorbed. and um, well, Which I'm is gonna, a shocker. I'm gonna, Go I'm, for I'm, it. <laughs> but I want you all, I've been doing some reflecting, and I think we all should. As I get older, I get much more patient or empathetic with certain things. Okay. But I become less impatient with certain things. Here's what I have no tolerance for anymore. People who were allegedly doing civic duty or community service on a board, whatever the case may be. Mm -hmm. There's two kinds. There's those that are doing because mm -hmm. they love to do it. They want the outcome. And there are those that are doing it, doing it as really just a... A mechanism for achieving fame, power, wealth, notoriety, new business, etc. And I don't have any tolerance for it anymore. Now, a lot of people on boards feel the same way, but they don't want to fight the battle, and I understand that. Mm -hmm. But I think if there could be some way we should have some soft way of accountability on public boards and community service. Any suggestions? I think that different people give in different ways, so you have to look at the broader picture. But I agree, just to have it on your resume or, you know, to say I'm on 10 boards, but I don't really do anything with those 10 boards is not a good thing. Louisa, you're someone who is obviously uh, a no-nonsense person, very focused and, <laughs> and very object. You're very goal-oriented. And outcome oriented. What? What are you talking about? No. Are you? No. Yes. No, I am. I'm yes, you saying. are. You're totally right. Have you, you, you've got my number. Uh -huh. yes. Have you had an, uh, something you can share with no names over the past 12 years where you've just had to get rid of a board member? Um, we have, but they're very rare occasions. And I think the important thing to, to point out is that the board of directors, the way nonprofits are structured, are really in charge of themselves. So the CEO or executive director um, provides, you know, support, but really we don't set up the structure and, and we don't really address people who maybe aren't carrying their weight or participating the way um, other board members are. It's really the accountability comes from your fellow board members. Okay. So um, I think that that might be part of, of the challenge. Now, one of the things I did, I've been doing my job now for 12 years. One of the things I did when I first started was I joined a board because it gives you an interesting perspective mm -hmm. when you are in those shoes. And I can say I'm guilty of volunteering to like do something when I was on the board that I fully intended to do. And then life got in the way. Right. And you think like, you know, but from somebody else's perspective, they're looking at it going like, well, boy, you know, Louisa said she was going to do that, and she didn't do it. But I really did want to do it. Mm -hmm. It's just sometimes, you know, mm -hmm. you have the best of intentions, and, and things happen. So it did make me much more um, empathetic, uh, <laughs> Okay. <laughs> like you were saying, um, to, to kind of people's situations. Because I think a lot of people really want to do good things. Um, it's just sometimes they can't quite get there. You know, and it's funny, that brings up a good point, because I found myself saying on a, a number of boards, people will tell the, these 10 board members they're not doing anything. And this was, I had a leadership position on this board. And I said, well, if they're not doing their job, it's our fault. It's not theirs. I mean, have we given them the tools to do their job? Have we made it clear what's expected of them as board members? Have we held them accountable when they've agreed to a deliverable? Or they just show up and we ask nothing of them. We don't prepare them with any info. We make all these decisions in a vacuum so they have, they're not engaged. They have no stake. They really can't be an ambassador to the organization if they really 
have no clue on what the organization's elevator pitch is, uh, its results are, etc. So we've come full circle. Those are good questions. I'm the one that's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad I'm sitting down. I'm glad I'm sitting down. I hate myself. <laughs> We're done for today. No, don't start your Friday that way. Okay, so then we'll just have another quick write. If you're okay. if you're an insurance agent, real estate salesperson, um, financial advisor, don't link me in. You don't know me. You want to ask me for business sometime in the future, and what you're going to do it. Like, oh, hi, I happen to be your Facebook friend. Or, do, you, do you want, can I give you a, a quote? Mm -hmm. Isn't that sort of tone deaf on their part? Or are they not thinking about it? No, I agree. I actually have some rules. I don't Facebook friend anybody I've that I've never met before. And LinkedIn, it's supposed to be a little bit more removed. Mm -hmm. But you have to actually have a connection. Yeah. <laughs> so if you're, I have a very long list of people who've linked in. Uh, invited me to connect. I have no idea who they are, and they're not connected to anyone I know. Same here. So yeah. I just, I yeah. was just looking at that the they're other They're not day. using it the right way. No. One guy no. was from, like, Guana or something. Like, wasn't even, you know. Exactly. Yes. And, and I'm sorry. Nothing wrong with Guana, but I don't know the person. So. <laughs> and you're probably never going to be talking to no. them anytime. He was a Nigerian so. prince who, if you just sent him 10 to he million. He needed some money. You'll get 100 million back. <laughs> he um, needed some money. And the other thing is people, if there's a mass invite of 400 people to something, there's always one person that responds, oh, I can't, to everyone, I can't make it. I'm having a land spoil that morning, and it's in a really tough spot, so, and plus, you know, don't give us details. <laughs> don't even tell us. <laughs> that is true. Okay. The respond I'm, all I'm done being a grouch. <clears throat> Did you see your girl today getting on the bus? I just right? missed it because I was late. I, was, okay. I saw the bus pulling away. There's a, a house um, just before you turn into um, our um, Mogul Hill that we call a road here. <laughs> and um, it's been five years. She was this little, little towhead, first grader, and her father would walk her out every day to the bus stop uh, and wait, and then he'd wave. And she'd give him a kiss and get on. Now she's like sixth grade, and it's like, She's this tall now, and I—it's really kiss me been in great. Front of my <laughs> <laughs> it's been a great little vignette. I only see them once a week, for nine months a year. <laughs> but I feel like I know them. And he misses them in the summer. <laughs> but he doesn't miss getting behind school buses. That's right. a, that's a gripe too. That's true. On my way here, I was like, oh yeah, that's right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Every route, they they do it. Look, Joe Lakata told me, as she said, every bus. And the system routes through the route you take to the radio station, Bob. It's all about you, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty. Well, I'm going to get some major help and trivia from... Yes, you are. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> We've got two gals and a guy ready to do trivia today. Okay. The first question. What game does Queen of Hearts order Alice to play? Should I cricket? Is it Close. Croquet. Cro croquet. That's what you got. Wow. You got me there, Kelsey. You did. Because you, you were like, I was like, wait, right, right, Don't right. be afraid to shout it out. Yeah. Well, that one I wasn't confident about. Okay. <laughs> okay, what company, you probably weren't born, Kelsey. What company invented the floppy disk in 1970? You weren't born. You, none of you were born. Oh, you're sweet. I was born. You were not born. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> She's like, I don't recall. I don't know. I don't recall. I don't recall. Yeah. What company invented the floppy disk in 1970? IBM. Absolutely. Yep. They, were they the did leaders. everything. They did. They were like. Evan Spurry. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. All right. This is a good one for my Italian friend, Luisa. Whose big break was playing Vinny Barbarino on the TV show, Welcome Back, Cotter? Um, the guy from Greece. Travolta. Mm -hmm. yep. 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 You guys are nailing it today. Yes. <laughs> the first consumer products made from plastics were what? The first consumer products made from plastics. This is kind of a random one, but I mm. thought it was an interesting answer. Spoons and knives and forks. Tupperware? Hair combs. Oh. Yeah. Ah. Mm -hmm. It's a fun fact. Yeah. 
Do you know this cigarette lighter was invented before the match? No way. Mm -hmm. Another piece of information in Bob's head. <laughs> it's easier to have a, a you know a flint and well, a gas source as true. opposed to some sulfur composite that that's true. doesn't blow up in everyone's face when you're <laughs> violently rubbing in <laughs> sand. <laughs> Okay, fashion guru Anna Wintour is the editor of what magazine? Vogue. Look at you in your pink shirt today, knowing that. Is that answer. the Devil Wears Prada? Loved that. Isn't Great she movie. the devil? Um, I think it was based on her. I did hear that she got up and left a screening of the movie when it first came out. It they seems had to a... sort of apply with the character then. Yes, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. And, um, Meryl Streep played her, right? Meryl Streep. Um, Anne Hathaway. Anne Hathaway. Emily Blunt. Blunt. I loved her in yeah. that. That's Mer one of my favorite movies. Meryl Streep was the best in Doubt. She's the best in everything. Anything. She is. She is just absolutely amazing. Okay. Who wielded a sword named Excalibur? Um, King Arthur. Correct. This is... When I forget people's names I met yesterday. <laughs> There's something wrong with that. <laughs> Who is Tippi Hendren's daughter? I know that for... Okay. I got Tippi nothing. Tippi Hendren. Huh? I got nothing. Yeah. I, I can't help Melanie Griffith. Correct. Oh. Correct. Tippi Hendren was 60s, 70s? She was um, a beautiful uh, actress. Mm-hmm. Uh, starred in um, two Hitchcock movies, yep. The Birds, and I forget the other mm -hmm. one. And he began um, coming on to her, sexually abusing her, uh, making unwanted advances. She refused, and she was blackballed. That is why um, her movie career virtually ended in the mid-60s. Mm -hmm. She did some work in the 70s and 80s, mm -hmm. but... Mr. Alfred Hitchcock, nice guy that he is, the Harvey Weinstein of the 60s. Seriously. <laughs> All right. What festival was billed as Three Days of Peace and Music? Three Days of Peace and Music. I know you know this. Yeah, Woodstock. Good job, Kelsey. <laughs> and I know you weren't born for that. <laughs> There's a lot of information about it. So. <laughs> I feel yeah. like it's referenced in That's every true. movie. That's and true. they say if you add up the people who said they were at Woodstock, it comes at like the two and a half million. <laughs> <laughs> How many people were there? Three to four hundred thousand. Okay. Okay. You two's Paul Hewson is better known by which nickname? U2's Paul Hewson. Bono. That's correct. I was going to say, is Bono really Bono? Mm. No. Mm. no but he doesn't seem like a Paul either. <laughs> he must have felt that. He was yes. like, I'm not getting anywhere with being <laughs> Paul. I don't know what the Edge's real name is. Do you, Bob? You're a no. guy. No. Because um, that's a great name. They have been together for 43 yeah. years. Yeah. I still believe it was a new band. Yeah. Like a, Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> In the Marvel comic world, who has an assistant named Pepper Potts? Iron Man. Mm -hmm. We go yep. see. Do you like the Marvel world? Tony's oh. yep. Good job. You guys okay. did awesome. Bravo, bravo. Okay. I didn't stump you on one of them. You did the plastics one. Oh, the plastics one. But that just wasn't that exciting. <laughs> but it was a stumper. Now, who was doing them? Are you or Megan? I did these. Okay, they were very good. Yeah. Megan's are very good. good also. Yep. Just no true or false. I found a new resource that I've been using. Okay. Yes, no true false, no multiple choice. Those put Bob in a tailspin yes. on a Friday morning. Yes. <laughs> they really put me off my game. Um, so are we going to do gonna, some local news? No, we're going to do that afterwards. I, I mean, we're not going to do local news on a week like this. We're just... I know. God sad, sad bless these news. folks, the folks that are sick enough to do this, the folks who are victims of it, the folks who hear gunshots on the radio and say, oh, we got to speed towards where that's happening. Mm -hmm. We don't know how many yep. people are shooting, so um, God bless them all. And, well, there's no solutions, and people, uh, we're none that are easy, so mm -hmm. just a tragedy. What we'll do is let's go to break. Okay. Because I think we're going to, 
need a lot of time to talk oh, about a lot of stuff here. So let's do that, and then whatever time we have at the end, we can... Sounds great. We'll take a break, and when we come back, we'll be talking with Luisa Chiazzo, CEO of SARC, and Kelsey Luchet, Volunteer and Events Coordinator, also with SARC. Harford County Public Library will host Tim Junkin, the 2018 One Maryland One Book author of Bloodsworth, the true story of the first death row inmate exonerated by DNA evidence. This event is read on October 2nd at 7 p.m. at the Abington Library. Registration at hcplonline.org is requested. The book details the story of Kirk Bloodsworth, an innocent man who faced the death penalty and was freed in 1993 thanks to new technology at the time, DNA testing. He has gone on to become a spokesman against capital punishment. In addition to the author event, 18 book discussion programs will be held at libraries and other locations throughout Harford County through October 25th. For times and locations, visit hcplonline.org or pick up a copy of Headlines and Happenings at any Harford County Public Library. One Maryland, One Book is a program of Maryland Humanities and is presented in Harford County by Harford County Public Library and its partners, Harford County Community College and Harford County Department of Community Services. Have a small project at home that you've been putting off? Need some help but don't need a large contractor? For more than seven years, D.R. Curry Contracting, Inc. in Aberdeen has been offering residential and light commercial renovations, remodeling, and maintenance to clients in the Harford County area. Their professional and efficient staff work on installations of windows, doors, siding, kitchen and bath remodels, and more. Customer service and satisfaction is of paramount importance in D.R. Curry Contracting, Inc.'s continued success, no matter the budget. It's time to get that project done. Call 410-272-8779. That's 410-272-8779. Let D.R. Curry, Inc. make your dream renovation become a reality. Hey, welcome back. I'm co-host Leslie Greenlee-Smith from the Hartford County Public Library, and that is Bob Mumby. And this is the Hartford Edge. We're delighted to have Luisa Chiazzo, CEO of SARC, and Kelsey Lucci, Volunteer and Events Coordinator in the studio with us. Sorry, I was mispronouncing your name, my friend. No I thought worries. it was Lucky. <laughs> A lot of people think she that, She is too. lucky. <laughs> Luisa Chiazzo has been the CEO of SARC for the past 12 years. This July, SARC celebrated its 40th anniversary. SARC provides a multitude of services to tens of thousands of women, men, and children who are victims of domestic violence, sexual violence, child abuse, and stalking in Harford County. Louisa previously served on the Maryland Network Against Domestic Violence Board of Directors as Commissioner for the Harford County Commission for Women and on the Harford County Chamber of Commerce Legislative Committee. Kelsey is SARC's Volunteer and Events Coordinator and has been with the organization on and off for the past five years. In her current role, she helps to organize, coordinate, and execute the various events SARC hosts throughout the year as well as recruit, manage, and work with SARC's wonderful group of volunteers. She is currently working on her master's degree at the University of Baltimore in nonprofit management and social entrepreneurship. Welcome, Louisa and Kelsey, and thank you guys so much for coming today. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. We're really excited to be here. Yay! First start uh, with Louisa and Kelsey. How did you get here? How did you come to SARC? What is, where are you from? <laughs> well, that's a lot of questions path. there. Was, he hmm. likes to know the. But I like to be a woman of mystery. Okay, well, then you can you can create more mystery by answering that question than clear it up. <laughs> um, um, my background is um, in counseling, so I actually started out my professional career. Um, as a licensed clinical professional counselor, and I worked for an agency that served um, youth. So my first counseling uh, job was working with uh, Department of Juvenile Justice kids, um, which was a really interesting um, job because you're dealing with teenagers who are already going through a difficult time mm -hmm. and aren't really big on communicating. Um, and then they're dealing with some pretty serious issues. So. I would say 60% of the cases that I worked with had some sort of abuse history, something going on. Um, there was actually um, a really sad case with uh, two siblings who were um, locked in a closet by their mom and not fed 
for days and days until social services rescued them and then they were with their grandparents and so they were like one of my here I am right out of school therapy cases that I was working with so wow. um, I would go home and I would cry because it was just imagine it was so difficult to like hear all those stories and um, you know you want to be a help to them mm -hmm. but you can't undo what's been done right you know so um, I guess I uh, being as my intro earlier you said I, I'm very type type A like to get things done and all of that kind of started looking at the people running the organizations I was a part of um, and thinking like wow you guys are making my job harder I'm going home I'm hmm. crying at night like I putting all my heart into what I'm doing every day and the administrative stuff and the kind of the crazy rulemaking and things like that it wasn't a well-run organization and I went to my next job it still wasn't a well-run organization I started to think there's a trend here <laughs> in the nonprofit world I might be able to do something about this um, so I actually moved into a supervisory role um, for a counseling agency and um, I before this job I supervised um, a domestic sexual violence program that was in a larger agency um, so I really wanted to be the CEO of my own company um, because I thought I could affect the most change that way and create a really healthy work environment for the people who were doing that really hard work because I have been there and it's really hard so um, you know I hope I've achieved that um, so that they can focus on doing what they're doing instead of um, although we still have paperwork, because mm -hmm. I have to say, some of it's out of my control, mm -hmm. some of it's federal, state, government mm -hmm. funding, there's some requirements, but, you know, I try to go like, do we really absolutely need this piece of paper? And if mm -hmm. we don't, let's get it out of here. Let's not do that. Well, that, and we want to talk about that a little later, because uh, whenever we have an executive on um, who's had success in running an organization and um, molding the organization to do complete its mission and objectives. We always want to hear advice um, uh, on some of the things that work in doing that because we do have, especially in the nonprofit world, we do have a wide range of organizations regarding their effectiveness and it's always good to hear. Mm -hmm. uh, Kelsey, how you are Kelsey Lucky to be at Stark. <laughs> yes, very lucky. Stark. And we're lucky to have her. <laughs> yes, that is true. Um, I found Stark. So when I graduated um, with my undergrad, it was when the job market wasn't that great. Um, and the, the career counselors at University of Delaware suggested that I re reach out to a local chamber of commerce and ask if I could do an unpaid internship because it was a good networking opportunity. Mm -hmm. So I did that. I worked with the um, Harford County Chamber of Commerce as an intern. Uh, was there for a couple months, and it was um, at that time led by Vanessa Milio, who mm -hmm. was kind enough that at, at every meeting would stand up and be like, I have this girl named Kelsey. Um, and she was like, I love having free help, but she needs to be paid. <laughs> um, and eventually that led me to interviewing at Sark. Uh, and I have been lucky enough to experience a multitude of jobs in the development department. I started as part-time data entry. Um, I was helping run a Facebook campaign, a Like My Compu Community campaign by Liberty Mutual, I think, oh, I uh, for that. a grant. Yeah. Um, Which we won, thanks. Yes, yes. <laughs> we yes. did. Um, and I've just been able to, you know, do the events now, work with the volunteers, and I did sadly leave for a little bit, um, tried to work in the for-profit world, and I was quickly realized that I wasn't meant to be there um, and found my way back to Sark and was happy to come back and help out and just can't seem to get away. <laughs> good. That's a good thing. Excellent. And let's stop for a second before we talk about Sark and everything it does and needs. Uh, how do folks get a hold of Sark? What do you need? Uh, and how do they let you know that they can provide it, whether it's volunteer, money, what? So there are a couple different ways. So I, we always share our 24-hour helpline for those who need SARC services or have a question for someone in their life that may need services. Um, so our 24-hour helpline is 410-836-8430. 
Um, and then if you are looking to help out in a volunteer capacity or want to host a drive for SARC, you can always call the office, um, and that's 410-836-8431. We have a lot of information on our website. It's SARC, S-A-R-C, dash Maryland, spelled all the way out, dot org. And there's information about our volunteer opportunities. There's information about a wish list for our pantry. Um, there's contact information for myself and other development team members. So there are lots of ways to contact us. We get messages on Facebook sometimes, mm -hmm. Sark Harford County. Um, we are very reachable. <laughs> okay. Might be time for a basket, a uh, bin basket drive at the yeah. libraries. Yeah. I just realized we've had great success with that with the Veterans mm -hmm. uh, Hospital and with Community Action Agency led by the Shore Hope folks mm -hmm. because... They were depleted during the Houston storms. Yeah, and and folks, if you want, you know, it's it's so so much of this is is empathy, like we we're talking about, but also resisting the all the waves of people trying to convince us or dehumanize victims of this, whether and just treat them as a statistic or blame them. We see it in the recovery community, the previous vendor community, kids, poor uh, minorities. Um, Etc. Go to Sark's site and go to one of the pages, the resource pages, on uh, what a victim or potential victim of abuse can take action or do something about. In the upper corner, there's a little button that says, Leave Site Quickly. Or, what does it say? That's right. Yeah. 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 And for someone who has, is so removed from it being in that person's skin, it really brings home, like, this is something they're living with every day. Like, they yep. could be in their den at a computer, and they have to worry about someone walking in on them, seeing that, and it could be the next yep. incident where they're going to be yep. psychically, psychologically, or physically harmed, or both. And that drives it home, the life these people are living. Mm -hmm. And um, so, on that note, let's start... Tell us briefly how it started, because I, it's always admirable. This was back in 81. You have this epidemic of violence and abuse. And people decide, okay, we're going to do something about it. And it's not going to be easy. So tell us how Sork and the Day of, um, uh, the day of Unity and that began and how, that, how so, Sork so came Sark from that. So Sork actually started in 1978. Oh, okay. So that was when we started. Um, I think the Day of Unity is when they were talking about launching um, Domestic Violence Awareness Month um, okay. to bring some attention to the issue, you know, nationally. Um, and so Sark was founded in 1978, and, and there was actually um, a sexual assault in the community, um, and people were trying to figure out how to help that person, and there were no resources they were like, what do we do? Mm -hmm. um, so, and actually a lot of agencies like SARC um, really started in that same time frame because people really started to become aware of the issues that mm -hmm. were happening and realizing that people really didn't have any place to go. Um, so the League of Women Voters, the Commission for Women, um, you know, Hartford County Government, a lot of different concerned citizens all came together and they founded what is now SARC. Um, so they were 100% volunteer answering the helpline in their kitchens and, wow. um, you know, providing shelter in their homes. And they just kind of cobbled it together and said, we need to do something. Wow. So tell us about SARC and what you, the services you provide. Um, so SARC provides uh, a variety of resources. We really see ourselves as a, a resource center. We want to be like a one-stop location for someone who's surviving a violent situation because you already have a lot going on. We don't want you to have to go to like six different places to get your needs met. We want to make it simple for you. Um, so we have a 24-hour helpline that you mentioned. That's usually the first way someone comes in contact with us. Um, we have free counseling services for adults and children. Um, we also offer group services. So if you're an adult that was molested as a child, we have group services for you. If you're a domestic violence victim and you're looking to, to be in a group, we offer group therapy sessions as well. 
Um, and then we have a legal services department that um, it was in the 90s we added that service because we realized that um, it was a really important thing that someone who was going through a domestic violence situation, a lot of times they don't have access to the money for a retainer mm -hmm. that you need to have an attorney represent you. Um, but the abuser sure does because they have control of all the money. Um, so what's the easiest way to get somebody to stay? Threaten to take their kids away from them. So you can't get an attorney. I've got a great attorney. I'm going to get the kids away from you. You better, you know, stop with this nonsense about leaving and come back. So it's a great opportunity for us to be able to kind of um, level the, the playing field, so to speak, to be able to have an attorney right there in court with a victim. Um, and we do that for free through grant funding and through community support. So they don't have to worry about paying for that. Um, we also do um, provide emergency shelter services. So we uh, were able, through a lot of wonderful people coming together in 1996, to have our own permanent emergency shelter. Um, and so it's 28 beds, and we get people in immediately. There's no, like, wait time. There, you talk to someone, you need to get there, we get you there if it's 2 o'clock in the morning. Um, which is really critical because people's lives are in danger and they really can't um, be waiting to, you know, the next day. Right, right. Um, you know, and, and the other big piece is, is, you know, Kelsey being here today, is doing a lot of community outreach um, because, one, we want to stop people from ever needing our services. So to do that, we need to be going into the schools, doing a lot of community education, talking about healthy relationships, um, talking about stereotypes because we know from research that that perpetuates violence um, as people become adults. Um, and so we want to create a cultural change that, should, that would lead to a reduction in people actually needing our services. Um, so that's a, another big piece of, of what we do. So uh, on the shelter part, there must be cases where you have to pick some up, someone up in the middle of the night. Um, or do they have to get to you or... That can get, be very sticky situations, I would imagine. Yeah. Extricating folks. Yeah. Um, we really let them guide the process because they know, you know, if it's during the day and their abusive partner's at work, that's going to be the best time. And then what are their resources to get to us? So a lot of those things we try to, to go with whatever the person who's calling us, what, what they want to do. Um, but we do have some ways of getting them. Um, to a safe place if they don't have transportation. Because you have to remember, Hartford County is still a very rural community. Mm -hmm. um, sure. And, you know, we hear plenty of stories about, you know, I'm in love. I moved here with the person I'm in love with. I'm living in, you know, an area of the county that's pretty isolated. And I don't have a car. Mm. And that's intentional. Mm -hmm. You know, so you're not going anywhere during the day. And, and your abuser doesn't want you to go anywhere during the day. So you may not have access to a phone or things like that, which is why it's so important that we have outreach because maybe the only time you get to go out is when you go to your hairdresser and there's some information in the bathroom there about Sark and that's the only time you're able to really try and reach out is when you're there. So, you know, we really want to try and make sure that people are aware of the resource. Um, you know, we just ran a... Uh, campaign on the buses in Hartford County um, through some some funding we were able to get through the governor's office on crime control and prevention and so we had several buses running with our helpline number um, throughout different areas of the community and that was a great opportunity to, to get the information out there um, because if people don't know about us then we can't help right um, have uh, some, some follow-up on that but let's talk uh, about uh, our participation in in uh, in October, which is uh, uh, National Domestic Violence Awareness Month. What do we have going on with SARC? Yes, so we help? one of our biggest partnerships is actually with the library. Yay! I just had a yep. meeting yesterday at the Bel Air branch on October first. We're going to be setting up a display of our clothesline project. So there are different T-shirts that are. Um, decorated by clients who have gone through SARC services to sort of represent their journey. We'll also have information about our services. Mm -hmm. um, so if anyone who's stopping by needs information, it's available to them. 
we'll be distributing a lot of purple ribbons like what you all are wearing today. Uh, Harford Community College is also doing a big display to recognize the month and bring some awareness around campus with some of their students. Uh, Harford Mutual right at the end of Main Street in Bel Air is going to be lighting up their building with some purple lights and putting some purple ribbons in their trees with some signage again to spread the word about Sark. Um, and we have a couple of local volunteer firehouses who are also going to be putting up a display to help raise some awareness. We also have Holly's Hope um, yes. taking place on October 13th. It's a Saturday at the Hartford Equestrian Center. Um, it's a 5k run or a one mile walk depending on your preference. Um, and it's a, just a big opportunity for us to share a story of a survivor from Sark and help raise awareness and also host an event where people can come out and support in a different way. This is probably touchy, but I, I've always wondered, could we do anything as far as education and awareness and outreach in boys' high school athletic programs? Because let's take Yardley Love, for example. Uh, the guy who killed her had a, was a serial drunkard and abuser. Um, with her and previously, but he was a he was he could put a lacrosse ball in that. So you have coaches, you have parents, you have boosters, you have fans. That sort of uh, you know, boys will be boys. And as we know from our friend Jackson Katz says, in a locker room it was probably uh he's at it again. So it seems like in military and athletics and other uh, venues. Uh, uh, we as men are almost socialized to maybe not perpetrate it, but wink at it. And almost in some cases think, oh, boys will be boys. There's no harm here. And we're almost socialized to never consider the feelings or the actual life or heart or soul of the person that's being abused. And I feel like a lot of times the sources of it are these, these cultures that revolve around uh, hero worship and mm -hmm. someone's doesn't stink and they just made a mistake. They're not part of a larger pattern. I, I, I don't even know if that's a question, but do you have any ideas or luck? Do you even attempt, is there attempts being made to, to really make these cultures understand that there's a human being at the other end of this? Um, so yes, I mean, we do have a community educator, um, and she does go out and, and do a lot of what you're talking about, but all of that is by request. Mm. So, um, it just depends on if somebody reaches out and wants to have us, we will definitely go out to, you know, a, a high school team, uh, event and talk with the students. Um, I, and I know like you're very aware of our walk a mile in our shoes event that mm -hmm. we have in April for sexual assault awareness month. Um, and we've had like really great participation. We've had lacrosse teams come out and walk. Um, you know, so it's like all the, all the guys get out there in their high heel shoes and, and kind of smash the stereotype and show that they kind of get it. So, um, I do think you're seeing more of that now and more conversations like that. Um, they did actually pass uh, a law last legislative session that is making it mandatory in the public school system to do more um, domestic and sexual violence education. But you know how it is when they enact a law. So right. they're kind of trying to figure out how to roll that out and integrate it because they try to cover a lot of stuff in the school day. Um, and that's kind of the challenge. It's, there's a lot of important things out there and figuring out how to get the information to the kids is is the challenge so if people are listening and they are like involved with boy scouts girl scouts they have a sports team um you know even at your workplace uh we'll go out and actually um talk you know to your to your employees if people are interested in that they should reach out to sark because we do find that that is a really important part of our mission we want to come out and talk to you and your kids so and they um uh, that's uh, outreach? That's correct, yes. Okay, so they could email outreach at sark-maryland.org. 
and all of that is free so it won't wonderful. cost you a thing right yep um, because we we're very very lucky that um, people understand what we're doing and the importance of what we're doing and so you know we are getting a lot of support um, not only from federal state and our local um, Hartford County government to do what we do but we get you know really wonderful donations from the community the mm -hmm. community is very generous um, to make sure that we're able to, to do this at no cost to the community. How are we doing on the um, the judiciary and law enforcement and prosecutorial side on this front? Are we making progress? Are there because I imagine a lot of roadblocks, especially due process uh, rights of abusers, and I'm sure a lot of defense attorneys make ample exploitation of. Uh, how are we doing there? Uh, could, could we be doing more in the courts with the prosecutors and with law enforcement and making it as easy as possible to get to these things? Um, I think law enforcement does does a good job. I mean, there's there's always, just like with us, there's always going to be like continuous training that needs to be done. Um, you know, on how to identify a primary aggressor when you respond to a domestic violence call. Keep in mind, those are the most dangerous calls that law enforcement goes on. Absolutely. So, you know, I, I give them, you know, lots of credit for going into an unknown situation like that because they don't know what they're going to find and they're there really looking out for um, us. You know, whoever, two, you know, two state troopers on um, the call about six years ago in Houston Shore to that. So, um, but we are very progressive in Hartford County. It's one of the things I'm most proud of um, being a transplant here, like to see how amazing this county is compared to other communities. Um, and so we actually are the one of the pilot sites for uh, something called the lethality screening. Uh, so that screening is a one-page tool that all law enforcement uses when they respond to a domestic violence incident in someone's home. Um, and it's a standardized tool that allows us to be able to tell whether someone's at high risk of being killed if they remain in that situation. And it's a way of getting that person connected to resources. So law enforcement in Hartford County, they respond to a call, someone screens in as high danger, they're calling SARC. So we've already got that great relationship and connection. Um, and when they talk to the helpline worker, they're trying to, to, to either get the person who's the victim on the phone to talk to us. Um, and if that person won't talk to us, they're talking, the law enforcement talks to us. And they're communicating about the resources. And that has helped incredibly with connecting people to the agency. Because it's one thing to leave a card with someone and say, hey, you should call this person. And... A lot of times people never call, but if they call us, that's that's like a, a warm connection, and, and a lot of times they can get the person mm -hmm. to agree to talk to us that night, and then they follow up and get into shelter, or they follow up and come out for a crisis appointment. So we're saving lives, um, like, and it's, it's hard to put your finger on how many, but I can tell you our shelter has been overly full. We are beyond capacity since that program started a decade ago. <coughs> mm -hmm. um, and so I think it's really working to connect people. So I have to thank, you know, our Hartford County Sheriff's Department and all our police departments because, you know, that's been incredible. Yeah, they help get that first step, which I think is the hardest for victims. So do you find uh, the cases where um, people actually will report um, going up in percentage because so much abuses and rapes and assaults go unreported because, frankly, the gauntlet that victims and accusers have had to run in mm -hmm. legally, in health care, etc. What's the progress on that? What, can, what should we know about that? Well, I think, you know, best practices are constantly being developed, and I see that as, as kind of Sark's objective is to keep our fingers on the pulse of what's the the thing that is most helpful at the time and continually evolve so that we can be like there with the best services and the the best intervention so hospital-based programs we have a crisis consultant that is in our local hospitals um, and can respond when they do a screening um, so that's a best practice because where do you go when you have an injury 
the hospital. Mm -hmm. So we want to be able to get someone who's there who works for SARC, who's a, who is a subject matter expert, and that doctor is like, oh, this is a domestic violence case. We need to connect them. Or we have a rape victim. We need to connect them. And again, it's that whole idea, like Leslie was just mm -hmm. saying, like it's a different experience if now you've met, you know, Mara, who works for SARC, mm -hmm. um, and you've met her at the hospital. You didn't have to do anything. Mm. She walked over to you, mm -hmm. and now you know her. And she's not so scary. She seems kind of like a nice person. Mm -hmm. And you're much more likely to then follow up and, and continue with services. And, and so, not feel so alone. And not feel know? so alone. Absolutely. You get mm -hmm. that support. So, you know, it's hard because you don't ever want to um, draw inaccurate conclusions and say, well, the number has gone up because although the number has gone up, and like you mentioned, you know, um, you know, we're, we're seeing more people, but it may not be because there's more abuse. It's because we're getting so much better right, right. at identifying and reaching out and connecting. And well, good for all of us like mm -hmm. that we're able to do that and mm -hmm. meet people where they are instead of expecting them to change to figure out where we are. Mm -hmm. On that note, I, I was given a tour of, um, uh, of Franklin Square Hospital last year, year and a half ago. And they seem to have a fantastic trauma center and post-event center for victims of abuse and rape. Is that true? And do we have something like that here? Um, I haven't visited with them, um, although I, I'm aware of their program. Um, but we have the same thing. So um, we have we have um, sexual assault forensic examiners. Um, so they're nurses that are specifically trained to correct, collect forensic evidence um, here in Hartford County. They partner with us. Um, we do <clears throat> have volunteers, actually, that are trained to go out on those companion calls. Um, so if people are interested in working directly with clients, that is a big need for us. Um, so they work, we have staff and volunteers that if someone is a rape victim or um, a domestic violence victim and, and they are at the hospital, we'll send somebody out to provide emotional support for them and to be their advocate because law enforcement is looking at collecting evidence, the hospital's looking at like how do we address your, your injuries, and SARC is looking out for, well, what do you need? Um, so, mm. because for someone who might be a victim in the hospital, maybe what they're worried about is their dog who's at home that hasn't been let out for 12 hours, which may not seem like a big deal, but that's something that they are really worried about, and no one's listening to them. And so we can be there and say, okay, well, we, we can take care of that. It's one less thing for you to worry about right now. You know, we'll get a hold of your mom. She can go take care of that. And mm -hmm. we'll, we'll advocate for whatever is going on with them that they need. And that is huge, the, what you leave behind, I know, to victims. How come we just can't lock these guys up? <laughs> <laughs> Well, we do for some, okay. but yeah. That's a start. Um, I know that's a complicated. Yeah. I'm not asking you to answer that, but gosh, it must be so rewarding to see the impact you're making, but it must be so frustrating sometimes when you see this known monster. And for some reason, this woman is going back into that situation. It must be really hard, so. I do want to mention, just because I know we're, we're using she a lot, but we do have um, victims that are male victims in our community as well. So, um, and the females are the abuser in that relationship. So, um, and those can be really hard situations for people to kind of come forward about because there's a lot of stigma attached um, to being a male being uh, in, hmm. in control by a, a female abusive partner. Um, but we have to remember this is not a power issue. It's not about physical strength. It really is um, about controlling the partner, and a lot of it is mental. Mm -hmm. um, so, or it can be physical because what are what are you told about um, you know about a woman? You're not supposed to hit a woman. So if a woman's hitting you, and you were and you're being respectful, it's not really about like can you overpower them. It's about you're you're scared of them. I mean, they are really breaking you down beyond just the physical, the mental, mm. mental piece of that is, you know, mm -hmm. I do kind of talk a lot about, um, you know, when we look at prisoners of war, 
um, you know, someone who's been in a battle time situation. These are like people who are specifically trained, like to handle the, like, you know, that kind of stressor. Um, and they're strong people, um, physically and mentally. Um, but if you're in a situation where someone is breaking you down as a prisoner of war and like, you know, really knows how to get yep. into your head yep. day after day, after you day know, day after day. um, there it, it's it's there's nothing to be ashamed of there's no, I mean it, it's something that you know these people are very skilled at doing it has nothing to do with your size or you know whether you're a man or a woman so we're all really can be vulnerable and, and that's interesting uh, um, because so much of uh, uh, of a woman's uh, reluctance to report fear of reporting um, how She's been socialized to self-blame and say, what did I do wrong? How did I bring this on myself? Um, so many people are used to blaming the victim uh, in order to, to get abusers off the hook. Um, so it's a little insight. If a man is being abused, I may say, well, I'm not going to tell anyone. Because mm -hmm. that makes me less of a man. Yeah, that's how I've been educated. Yep. I'm not going to tell anyone Cindy's beating the crap out of me mm -hmm. every night. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. So that's a little win window into the, you know, the self-doubt, I imagine, that c piles on top of the fear. Um, uh, Sark.maryland.org, um, when you want to give your money and your time, um, call 410-836-8431 uh, um, or uh, the 24-hour helpline is 410-836-8431. And we are going to ask you for some advice because you've done such a great job with this. Um, what advice would you give? What have, first of all, what have you learned in your 12 years? Uh, stuff you do now that you never thought of doing 8, 10, 12 years ago or stuff that you don't do now that you thought I had to be had done. I haven't had my second cup of coffee yet. Ah. This is like, whoa, whoa. How do you, how do you, how, how have you empowered Kelsey? How does Kelsey know that she's going to be rewarded for merit, for initiative? She's not going to be second-guessed. Um, how does she, she know that she's going to be judged for the job she's doing and, 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 and nothing else? Because that's hard to do. That's hard to. And you've built some kind of culture towards that. <laughs> We, we could ask Kelsey. Mm -hmm. We well, could ask Kelsey. I don't know. Does Kelsey have an answer? I'm trying to think because like, I don't know. I feel like it's so natural. Like to me, I don't know that I'm doing anything specific. Um, I don't know how I could specifically describe it, but I there is a level of support at SARC that I think doesn't exist in a lot of other organizations. I think there is a big team feel. I think that's a really um, big aspect of it, and I think. From my perspective, you know, I've worked in other companies where you can't, it's like, oh, it's the CEO, like, you know, sit upright and behave yourself. Or Make like, an appointment. Right. Yeah. I can walk down to Louise's door if I need something and, and ask a question. And um, it's a lot of working things out together. Um, development has changed a lot in the five years I've been there. And I think there have been a lot of opportunities for conversation about how it can change and how it you know, what can we all do to change it to be more impactful for everyone? Um, so I guess that's the, uh, the biggest piece of it. It's never, you never feel intimidated or like what you've presented is a not a great idea, even though sometimes it's not, but it's a conversation about why it's not. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Not a... Um, that's true. We have had some conversations like that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so, yeah, I think, and even with the board, you know, I the board is so say, supportive. From um, a board perspective, yeah. working with Louisa, um, she is, and again, she doesn't oversee the board. She's a huge part of the board, but um, there is, I, I think what you bring to the table the most for me is you're a great listener. So we sit around the table, we all come from different industries, we all come from different work days, and you are an excellent listener, and you have great eye contact, you're fully engaged in what we're doing when we're doing it. and. <clears throat> not a lot of people can offer that as CEO of a company. They're very distracted. They're thinking about the next meeting. They're thinking about what's happening tomorrow. You're always very present in the moment, in the conversation. And I think that um, 
allows us to get a lot of things done, to have a lot of good conversations. Um, and for those of you who don't know Louisa, she's an amazing researcher. <laughs> and so it's a little problem I have. <laughs> I think it's a great. I'm, I'm with you there. I, you know, like she just brings that constant thirst for knowledge mm -hmm. and for understanding the subject matter of whatever it is we're talking about to the table. So, well, and I think like that's, I appreciate you saying yeah, that. Like, yeah. I think that's why I like working like and hearing from other people. Mm -hmm. One of the things that I think, um, looking at other nonprofits before that was a problem is people stop telling you the truth mm -hmm. <laughs> and then you make bad decisions. Mm -hmm. Like if someone never disagrees with you, you should be wondering like something's not right here. Mm -hmm. Like now that doesn't mean I'm going to like go like change my mind all the time. But I want the opportunity to change my mind. Right. Like, because mm -hmm. someone change. might have a better yes. idea. Yes. yes. Like, and you are very open to that when, mm -hmm. to have a conversation, which I think is mm -hmm. a nice aspect. And it's, it's amazing. So many people who don't want to hear any um, discontent, um, it's so damaging to them. Because what's the worst thing I could do to you? I could not tell you what I think and yes. let you belabor under, even mm -hmm. if I'm wrong. I'm wasting your time. It's a lack of respect if I don't tell you what I think. I'm not doing any favors. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You don't need my the protection from my opinion. So And then people become disengaged. Right. They don't wanna they don't wanna give hundred and ten percent because it's not received well. So right. I think Louisa, you are really great at that and I think your team feels it because you're always open to trying new things and listening to new ideas. So therefore they push forward with those thoughts and but, ideas. But I mean, that's why I think SARC is as successful as it mm -hmm. is, is because we do have so many people giving input mm -hmm. so that we're making good decisions and mm -hmm. how we're moving forward with, mm -hmm. with what we're doing. So I think that's really important. So I wouldn't be doing a good job if I didn't have such great people working Aww. with me. Okay, so you, we didn't get you to say much, but we found out that it's important. You're not off the hook. Uh, no, no. It's, it, it's important to be engaged. It's important to create an open environment uh, to, to foster collaboration to, so people have the confidence uh, to be willing to collaborate. A, so that they know that they're going to be recognized instead of just standing up and trying to keep the information themselves and make it their idea. But also you have the confidence to allow that to occur because you do your own homework. Mm -hmm. So that's a little mini management book. <laughs> <laughs> I have often thought I would like, like one day to write a nonprofit management book because nonprofits are very interesting places. They're yeah. so hard. Yeah. So they yeah. almost have their own little rules to them. Oh, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I really want to do that because there's just so many things because you have well, we, we could do a, a whole nother <laughs> show for that. Good. Um, okay, well, thank you. Uh, uh, Holly's Hope Run, October 13th. Um, go to the SARC website, sark-maryland.org. Um, and this is a beautiful thing. It's started by a local local kid who's aunt. is uh, yep. um, a survivor of domestic abuse. Okay. Library stuff. Wow. We, don't, we have we have two minutes left. I can fit it in. Okay. I don't know how because you guys are doing like 800 things a week. <laughs> I just went through and narrowed it down a little bit. But there are a lot of great things happening at Hartford County Public Library this next week and beyond. Um, you know, we're knee deep in our Choose Civility Hartford County initiative with the Hartford County government. And we have a lot of programs over the next couple months. Um, <clears throat> and one of them, this is one of my favorite one, it's a fidget activity mat. So you can come make a mat that will occupy the hands of individuals with dementia or Alzheimer's who have trouble keeping their hands still. So it's something, it's a That's cloth amazing. thing. Um, so we have a bunch of volunteers and customers that come and they make these fidget mats and then we donate them to local charities that service um, uh, local patients who have dementia, Alzheimer's, um, and it really is such a calming thing for them. So that's a really wonderful thing we have going on, and that is part of our Choose Civility. Um, and then, Bob, guess what time it is on Saturday? It's time for Tracy Banger. Remember, she was a guest? Yes. 
She was a guest um, in August. She is a young adult author, and she wrote the book Grace and Fury, and she is actually a Harford County resident. Um, she now lives in Tennessee. She lives in Kentucky. Kentucky. She lives in Kentucky now, and um, she writes young adult novels, and this newest, newest one called Grace and Fury is... Um, you know, it, it just was released, and it's already doing fabulous. Um, it's about two sisters who are um, trying to, to uh, defy antiquated customs. It's like court intrigue and secret and all these great things going on. So um, she's giving a talk at our Bel Air Library on Saturday from 2 to 4. We've had a lot of interest in it, so um, be sure and try and come out if that's your thing. Um, she'll be there selling books and signing books, and she was just a delightful guest. She was, she really loves her craft. Um, and then Norrisville Library um, from 6 to 8 p.m. on, let me find the date here, on Tuesday, September 25th is going to have a paint along. Um, so we have an instructor. You can come and create beautiful artistic masterpiece all your own. We'll have supplies. We'll have different things that you can paint. And it's really a great opportunity. It's all free. You can come and learn how to paint um, whatever it is your heart desires. So um, that and then we have Tim Junkin who is the One Maryland One Book author this year. Where It's a program we're doing with uh, Maryland Humanities and it's a book tour. And Abingdon Library is a stop on the book tour on Tuesday, October 2nd at 7 p.m. He um, is going to give a riveting talk about DNA and um, the first exonerated uh, prisoner was from here Kurt in Bloodsworth. Kurt Bloodsworth. Um, amazing story. It is an amazing story, and he was a really unsympathetic prisoner, like he just, but he maintained his innocence, and back in the day, DNA had not been used to exonerate um, people who had been convicted of crimes, and he was actually the first one, and it happened here in Maryland, and if you grew up here or were living here at that time, you remember it was really big news, so we're super excited to have him. Um, at the Abingdon Library on October 2nd at 7 p.m. Should be a great night. Fantastic. Yeah. Great work as always. And we actually have one minute left. I want to do some tweets. It's Leslie's favorite thing. It is. Is it the lady? <laughs> is it some of her, the diet lady? No, it's, um, uh, some I have back. to go in and get hers. Um, She's hilarious. <laughs> it's just normal people that say hilarious things. Some ironic, some very telling. Um, first of all, for Libby and Rebecca, you're listening to 970 <laughs> WAMD Aberdeen. <laughs> do the station. Um, this is just tweets from normal people. The most cutting thing you can say is, who is this clown? Because it implies that A, they're a clown. <laughs> B, they're not even one of the better known clowns. <laughs> <laughs> I must have that horse tornado. Sir, that's a carousel. <laughs> <laughs> and this one, don't worry, I'll hold your stuff. You just worry about making friends. Cargo shorts. Ah. <laughs> and this one woman, this is from my friend. I am sick and tired of having to go to two different huts for my pizza and sunglasses. Ah. <laughs> they should be under one roof. And lastly, um, her. Nice jacket. Do you ride? Me. No. She. So you're a liar then. Silence. Me. Nice yoga pants. Her, that jacket looks great on you. <laughs> that is my favorite one. That's, that is my absolute favorite one. Okay. All right, guys. I think that's it. That's all the time we have for the today for the Hartford Edge. Thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you next week.